Hey, this is Kevin O'Connor on today's episode of The Mismatch. Chris Vernon and I got into what was a great day of NBA action with the Lakers and Warriors having a late night exciting game. The Bucks and the Nets going at it. I could watch seven games of that. We also got into some of the challenges in assessing this early season with the COVID, with the health and safety protocols, and just some players that are out because of injury, like with the Blazers, with Yusuf Nurkic and CJ McCollum. All that's coming up next. It's the mismatch presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page in the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus in person in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. Today's episode is brought to you by Prime Video. Uncontrollable frowning and inability to smile an expression like you just smelled something rotten. These are all signs of resting binge face caused by too many streaming services. But Prime Video ends resting binge face so you can smile again. Easily find your favorite shows like Reacher Season 2. Rent or buy new release movies like Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds, and Snakes. Get everything included on Prime. And add hundreds of streamers like Max for True Detective Night Country. One app. One password, Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership not required to rent or buy. Prime membership requires for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Tuesday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Kindness, Kevin! Chris, what's up? How you doing? Well, we have had every NBA team play, you know, between 12 and 15 games so far. So we're starting to get a little better read on a lot of these teams, or are we? This has been... Mm. Very, very difficult, Kev, because in between postponement, teams having players out, not knowing what kind of roster a team's going to go into a game with, I, I will tell you that I would think that within 12 to 15 games, I would have a pretty good gauge of these teams. There are a few that you do, but by and large, I have found it very, very, very difficult to analyze these teams because... Any given night, you are not getting a great representation of what those teams are and certainly what they will be when it comes time for it to matter most in the playoffs. Like, I mean, I'm watching I'm watching that Brooklyn game last night, for instance. Well, okay, I saw what they look like with James Harden and Kevin Durant, but Kyrie Irving wasn't there. And so what they're going to look like with Kyrie Irving is a different deal than what I saw last night without Kyrie Irving. What are you feeling? Even Denver. Yeah, right. Denver without Michael Porter Jr. Out because of the health and safety protocols. So it's, you know, right now it's very, very tough to get a read 
on what these teams are. With that said, though, you know, there's a chance that in a postseason setting, you could have guys missing time too. It, it does underline the importance of depth. So even though some of these guys could not, you know, they might not be out, you know, in big games, there's a chance. There's a chance. You got to have depth. All right. What are your first impressions of the Nets after we've watched them for a couple of games? Harden's obviously put up huge numbers so far in the two games. It was a great basketball game oh, against dude, that the game Bucks. Was awesome. It, it was really awesome was. Game. Um what are so your first good. impressions? And then I'll give you mine. Um, you know, everybody said one ball. How are they going to share the ball? I mean, it, it's going to work like those guys. Harden and Durant looks like they've they have never stopped playing together. Their chemistry on the court, the way they distribute the ball to each other. There seems to be um, like there's been multiple instances. You see KD coming off ball, Harden coming off ball and them delivering to the other person. And and I think when you see Kyrie get integrated into the lineup here, it is going to be interesting here to see how different things are. But I think you look at the Nets and we've seen KD adapt to the Warriors. We saw him play with Russell Westbrook and James Harden. We've seen James Harden play with other stars. And we saw Kyrie Irving play with LeBron James and win at the highest level. Even if there is a little bit of a my turn, your turn, you know, Harden's turn, KD's turn, Kyrie's turn going back and forth. In a postseason setting when your typical offense slows down and sometimes you need to ISO or run pick and roll more, is it supposed to be a bad thing when you can alternate between three of the most creative scorers in the history of basketball? It's not going to be a bad thing. To me, these guys are smart enough with strong enough of a track record with playing with and without the ball that I feel like, as we talked about last week, this has a chance to be one of the most potent offenses we've ever seen in the history of basketball. And their first two games together has done nothing but to make me feel that strongly. There's no doubt about that. Now, I know you were not listening to the broadcast because we were texting last night, but <laughs> this, is what, this is what I was struck by when I was watching the broadcast is the Nets would come down and they would run a curl for Kevin Durant and he would jump up and he would bury uh, you know, an elbow jumper. And then they would spend the next three minutes talking about how unguardable that is and what are you supposed to do. And so the Nets would come down and they would make a shot and they would say, Man, these guys are just getting started. Wait to see what they could become. This could be one of the greatest offenses ever. And then they'd give up a layup on the other end. And then they'd come down and score and they'd say, <laughs> what are you going to do? How could you ever guard these guys? And then they would get a wide open three <laughs> on the other end. And then they would say, well, just wait until they get Kyrie Irving in the mix and then see how difficult it's going to be to deal with. And then they'd give up another dunk on the other end. And I'm like... Like it, it, there was never any reference. I get it. Like they're the one with the stars. They're what people tuned in to see. The Bucks are old hat now. The Bucks were getting literally any shot they wanted, any shot, and most of them were either dunks or layups down the stretch. Now it came down to Middleton missing a contested three at the very end of the game, and he took a bad contested three prior to, but. One of the things is, I, I, my first impression is they are as good offensively as we anticipated them being. They are as dreadful defensively as we anticipated them being. They have no rim protection. None. Like, you can just score whatever. And they don't, uh, they're, obviously, they're not on a string defensively. It's going to be very, very difficult. But when you've got, you know, it was, uh, I think it was Durant, Harden, uh, Joe Harris, 
uh, it was uh, DeAndre Jordan, obviously, and then I can't even remember who the who the fifth guy was uh, in that closing five. He does. It's not like he touches the ball, um, and. <laughs> It was just, it was a layup line. It was literally a layup line. Like Giannis twice. Did, did just, you say Joe Harris in that group? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I, okay. I couldn't remember the fifth guy. Right. Who was the fifth guy that they had with them in the closing five? It was DeAndre Jordan. I mean, the only, look, there's three of them that touched the ball. Harris hit a huge three. It was Bruce on Brown at oh, It was Bruce points. Brown? Okay. Yeah. All right. And then, De- uh, then DeAndre Jordan at certain points. Oh, well, did DeAndre Jordan was playing center and... It might as well have been a traffic cone. Um, they, well, let's 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 Milwaukee touch on that. Scored whenever they let's, wanted to. let's touch on that real quick. Yeah. DJ, to me, you know, everything watching the game yesterday and their first game together, it has confirmed my feelings about the offense. And as you said, it has confirmed the feelings about the defense. And to me, a lot of that is coming down to DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre Jordan is a guy that you can't close games with. You just can't. They have to find a better center to close games. DJ can have a role with this team. We saw the value with him as a rim runner, as a target for James Harden. He was six for six in the game and had some pretty good baskets around the rim. But closing games with him on the defensive end of the floor, he can get exploited at this point of his career. And to me, if you're the Brooklyn Nets, you got to either be using Spencer Dinwiddie and his $11 million contract, even though he's out injured, you can still trade an injured player in the NBA. All that needs to happen is the team receiving that player needs to waive them passing a physical for the trade to be finalized. So the Nets can trade Spencer Dinwiddie if they want to go fully all in on the 2020-2021 NBA season, and they got to find a better center for closing games. Here's the thing, though. Where is that center? Look around the league at people who could potentially become available or guys that are available. Are you going to go for JaVale McGee? Are you going to go for a Ed Davis? Are you going to go for a like a more expensive player, like a Clint Capella? From from Atlanta, like let's say they wanted to split up, you know, Capella and John Collins, because those guys have some fit issues here. I don't think there'll be any significant buyout candidates unless Cleveland were to buy out Andre Drummond. But it's hard to find a lot of options out there at the center position unless maybe you're getting into the G League um, or, or or something like that that are better than DeAndre Jordan at closing games now. With that said, though, Chris, I think... The McGee w- thing would work, actually, McG- because McGee they, they acquired yeah. Allen. So how many centers do you need? That's sure. actually one that is a possibility. Uh, I agree. And, and ultimately, I mean, Cleveland at some point is going to make some changes. There's already been plenty of reporting about Andre Drummond and how they don't want to pay Andre Drummond what he wants to be paid. So in all likelihood, they're going to look for a drum and trade. Will they find it for a guy who's making $28 million? Maybe not. There, there's a chance that he could get bought out. Uh, mm-hmm. Unlikely, but I think they'll find a trade if they want to. But we'll see. For Brooklyn, they could still make a finals without finding a DJ upgrade. But to win the NBA finals and beat possibly the Lakers, you know, with AD, or let's just say Denver with, with, with Jokic, you got to find... An upgrade at the I also position. think if you're if you, if that's what you look like defensively, and even when we saw them over the weekend, they gave up a ton of points in their first game. Right, the whole story was Harden and these crazy numbers that they put up. They put they gave up a lot of points in that game too. Um, I just think that out playing the outscoring game is very dangerous, especially when it comes to playoff basketball where it's we're going to just be able to outscore you over and over again. And you wonder, you know, that has been that is a Mike D'Antoni 
philosophy, right? Like he, you know, long ago, I remember, and I've told this story before about him coaching Team USA. And yeah, and and there's this there's a story from the locker room where, you know, the defensive coordinator of that team was Nate McMillan, who cared desperately about the defensive end. And there's Mike D'Antoni, and they had, let's just say it's Croatia the next day. And, you know, it, and McMillan is telling the team, like, look, I know what, you know, that we just beat this team 140 to 100. But when we get to play in Spain and we get to play in Greece and we get to play in some of these other teams, we are not going to be able to defend like that and get by. And D'Antoni's response was, it ain't going to matter if we score 160. You know, and that's that's the two different philosophies. His is it's not going to matter if we're going to score 160. And I kind of feel like that's what Brooklyn's going towards, right? It's not going to matter if we score 130, but I do think it will because there will be teams that are able to get the requisite amount of stops. And I would just say playing that we're going to outscore you um, and give up whatever we give up is a dangerous game to play. They have got to find... So uh, at least some rim protection at, at, at minimum. They have to find some rim protection because Milwaukee, it was layups and wide open threes down the stretch for the most part. Yeah, That's how they got back in Milwaukee. the game. Give some credit to Milwaukee too. Yeah. I mean, I mean, their offense was clicking and they, they have some weapons on that end of the floor with Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, and some of the shooters they have. Milwaukee is also a, a tough offensive stop, but that's what, yes. that's what you're going to have to do to do in order to make a finals is at some point probably beat the Bucks. Bad news this morning. Um, we talked about players being out and whether it be because they're in the safety protocol or uh, for other reasons, but we had another bad injury get reported this morning, and that is CJ McCollum. And this one makes you absolutely sick to your stomach because CJ McCollum, uh, it was reported this morning uh, by Sham Sharania that McCollum's injury uh we knew he hurt his foot, but that he has a fractured left foot. And look, a, fr- a fracture, as you know, is a break. So this is this is a lot of healing time uh, that this is going to take. And the reason this makes you so sick is uh, clearly what it does to the Blazers. But beyond that, McCollum, this was the season he was going to get his just desserts. You know, he has been well regarded as one of, if not the best player in the NBA that has not made an all-star team. And it felt like this was going very quickly towards the year that McCollum was going to be able to get that reward uh, of of being an all-star in the NBA. He's averaging 27 points a game while shooting 47% from the field and 40, 40, uh, 44% from three. I mean, his numbers are just crazy. On, a, on 11 three-point attempts <laughs> yes. per game. like that, yes. that needs to be included with the 44% from three. Yes. 11 attempts per game. I mean, this was his best season that he had going. Oh, yeah. Through the first, uh, you know, several games of the year, and so career high five assists per game too. It's awful. It's it's, it's yeah, awful. It sucks. It, really. it sucks. This is bad news for Portland. I will yeah. say this though, and I wrote this in my power rankings yesterday on the Ringer or Monday on the Ringer before this injury actually happened, and before we knew about the severity of it. Uh, they have an easy stretch of their schedule coming up. Watch this, your this, mouth. This next. Easier this next month. Watch your <laughs> mouth. Read it off. 
Read it off. <laughs> Watch your mouth. Uh, I mean, when I say easy. What are the next two, Kev? Memphis. <laughs> Memphis and Memphis, but it's easier overall because then you get New York, <laughs> Oklahoma City, Houston, Chicago, and then it gets tough. Milwaukee, Philly, but then New York, Charlotte, Orlando, Philly, Cleveland, Dallas, OKC, and so on. Bah, 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 bah. Hmm. There's, some, there's some winnable games for Dean to carry the team here, but when I wrote those words... You know, I didn't know CJ would also be out for sure the whole month. Uh, <laughs> I mean, according to Shams, Shams will, uh, CJ will be out for at least four weeks. Anytime you have a fracture in your foot, four weeks seems kind of optimistic, doesn't it, Chris? Yes. I mean, it could be way longer than that. And for Portland, ultimately, um, seeding, seeding right now in the NBA matters significantly significantly and this comes back to the playing tournament and both the, the pros and cons for for certain teams depending on what happens being the six seed guarantees you a spot being the 70 seed no guarantees you get to play in the playing tournament and win at least one game if you lose one one other game you got better win that second to get the eight seed because um, the way it works the nine and the ten seed getting a chance to get in so for portland now Falling down the standings in the loaded Western Conference where you've got a bunch of teams, a bunch of teams that are going to be on that bubble. (laughs) Any stretch of time where you're missing two of your three best players or two of your best four, depending on how you rank Nurkic, because he's out right now, too. I mean, you could slide out of this, man, pretty quickly, even though it's an easier stretch with some winnable games. Dame can carry a team. There's no guarantees here, man. Like, there's still a lot of tough, tough teams. Oklahoma City, I mentioned them as an easier game. They have the yep. third worst net rating in basketball. They're six and six, though, because they've still competed in some games. Yeah. You know, they've been competitive at the least. So for Portland, man, this next stretch could determine whether we're talking about them as like a top six seed guaranteed playoff spot. Or maybe as a team that's fighting for a playing spot. Look, to get by, they're going to have to do the whole Damian Lillard averages 40 a game. Seriously. like And, and he's done it before for a stretch, right? Going to have to have where, Gary Trent step up to. Yes. Yep. Right. Where, where he's gone crazy. And, you know, it's interesting you say that about seeding because I think about them in, you know, they were coming off that Western Conference Finals and then they scratched and clawed to just get into the playoffs last year. And they were coming off a Western Conference Finals appearance. A team that, you know, took their lumps on their way, and then they finally got to the Western Conference Finals. And it's not the ultimate accomplishment, but you were a step, you were one of the last two teams remaining in your conference. And then the next year, it was a disappointing year after that. I know they, you know, they incurred some injuries last year, but they also were not even as good uninjured as we thought they would be, right? They weren't able to deal with that very well. Um, we're going through the same thing. And I say this because I've covered a team like this that made a Western Conference Finals in the next year. You Psychologically, I think what happens with sometimes with these teams that are not the elite, elite level teams, when they have that kind of great accomplishment the year before, that the next year now, it's almost like they're made men and they are less concerned about seeding and winning every single game because they know they're good. They they think they're good. They know they're good. And whoever we have to play, we'll play. And that's dangerous to do, but I think we're seeing a little bit of that with Denver this year, right, where they made that West Finals this year, and they come back this year, and it's not that same kind of 
eye of the tiger that they had the year before. I, and you know, we see this happen sometimes, you know, in the NFL with a team that plays in an AFC or an NFC championship game or whatever it may be, right? That like, yeah, you didn't win, but you got there right to the end. And the next year you're not as hungry and you think line them up. We'll play whoever we have to play. And I find it fascinating because a team that played in the NBA finals in Miami has started slow. Um, Toronto obviously has been stumbling out of the gate and they've had personnel changes too, but Denver's the other one, you know, who has kind of stumbled out of here. And I, I only think that Denver is a little bit applicable because of what we saw from Portland last year, which is, and you worry about that. The teams that, you know, play really well and accomplish something the next year, not having that same edge that they had prior to when they were on their way up. I mean, I, with Denver, I don't know how much of it is it is edge or, you know, production. I mean, losing Jeremy Grant, I wrote about that before the season. We talked about this. Is That loss is pretty significant, even though Michael Porter's been good for you, you know, with scoring the ball. He's not the same caliber of a defensive player that Jeremy Grant is. And Jokic, I mean, dude is averaging 25 points, 11 rebounds, and 10 assists per game, and it's been pretty dominant. One of the five best players in the NBA so far, without question. Uh, Can we talk about bubble Jamal Murray? He's not not the same as normal outside the bubble Jamal Murray. (laughs) This has to be, I want an oral history of what happened. He was like an 18, 19 point per game player who would have the 40-point game and then the 13-point game, and it was wildly inconsistent. He turned into like this 30-point-per-game devastating force of nature throughout his time in the bubble. And it's like now we started this season, and it's the same Jamal Murray as we've always had. Like, what was that? How did that happen? How did this guy turn into a bonafide superstar for a month and then just be back to Jamal Murray. Like I, I mean, I need an investigation on this. I really do. This is the craziest thing I've ever seen. Didn't we all think Jamal Murray is going to be like, okay, that was the sign. Here it comes. Here's the guy that people thought, you know, was, him reaching his apex, like, uh, you know, if you if you really believed in Jamal Murray, here's the reason that Denver gave him that huge contract, and here's the best of what he can be. And it's like, he's the same dude. You watch him, it's the same dude. Like, what? I don't, I, he put a cape on for a month in the bubble, and now... I don't get it, Kev. Yeah, I, really I, mean, don't. I mean, I don't, I don't blame Jamal Murray here. Like, if you're looking for people, you know, to blame here, I look at Gary Harris, I look at Will Barton, and some of the other guys on this roster that, you know, before the season, Will Barton was saying, "I'm not a six man. I don't want to come off the bench," and he has not produced at, at a quality level compared to what he has in the past. Gary Harris still has not refound himself on the offensive end of the floor. And I'm talking about two players in Harris and Barton who handled the ball a little bit for you. And, you know, it went very much under the radar, but Brian Windhorst was the first to report that Denver had some conversations with Houston for James Harden. And I think that is indicative of the way Denver's thinking. They realize clearly 
they're having conversations for Harden that they get to address that secondary ball handler position, a guy who's better than Jamal Murray or at least nearly as good. And I think if you're them, if you're Denver, I'm going hard for Bradley Beal. I'm going hard for Victor Oladipo. Those two guys, I think the Nuggets should be going after to find that upgrade over Harrison Barton because they got to find somebody who on nights where Jamal Murray's not feeling it, there's going to be those nights and it's inevitable. You got to have that guy who can step up for you because then that puts Jamal Murray in kind of the, you know, 2A or 2B or number three role where if there's nights he's feeling it, you can ride Jamal Murray. You can ride him but instead I think of having to rely on him every night. It it looked like Murray was going to be in that. I mean, Harden, I, I disagree. Beal, you know, I disagree. Every it looked like no- that. But That's that what was it the looked thing like. The I, it looked like it in the bubble, but I, I think it almost almost everybody acknowledged that we still get to see this over a longer period of time outside of the bubble. That was very un- unique, unusual circumstances there. You know, the type of arena, the type of backdrop, like. There were certainly individual players who were affected positively about that, like with the type of arena, with the type of crowd, fake crowd noise and all that. And now we we don't know it. We can't necessarily know for a fact. He might not even know himself how much it influenced him. But But nobody, nobody like him, though. Nobody like him. I know, but it's a possibility that that environment was just better for him with the way his eyes work and the way he looks at the room. We don't know. I, I, I'm just like throwing, you know, stuff out there. That's why but, I said I need an investigation. Why was Jamal Murray exactly. a superhero in the bubble? Yes. Why? And, and that's going to be a hard story to tell when even <laughs> he himself might not totally understand. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's probably very difficult to investigate, but I am certain that there were at least a handful of guys that were positively impacted by playing in that type of arena. And that's why for Denver right now, you got to understand like who Jamal Murray is. He's going to have some huge scoring nights for you. He's also going to have some nights where it's frustrating and he's just inefficient. And he, nothing can fall. So finding that upgrade clearly if they yeah. were going for Harden, even, you know, dipping their toes into the waters to try to find what the, the price is, it indicates that they get to find they want to find another guy who's a perimeter based player that can create shots for you and handle the ball for you and create for others. But you think about and, how crazy this is with three months ago, we're talking about, man, I wouldn't give up Jamal Murray for nothing. It's, I'm not saying know, give up Jamal I know, Murray. But at his age and Jokic's age, these guys, you know, you 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 take that for the next 10 years. You know, I mean, this is this is now a duo that it, look how comfortable they are playing together, and look at what Murray has evolved into, and it's like. And by okay. the way, like Jamal Murray's posting career best numbers, right? Still, it's just so f- much further down from the bubble compared to slightly up from last season. Like that's what right. you're saying. Yes, yes. like yep. the leap that we thought into real bona fide stardom. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, that, I mean, I think that was asking for a little bit too much, personally. Well, on the flip side, you talked about how bubble affected guys. The anti-Jamal Murray is Paul George. Yeah. <laughs> because Paul George, you know, he he talked about how difficult it was for him playing in the bubble. Um, he blamed Doc Rivers for the way he was used. Um, we, we goofed on that. Um, you know, look, this guy went from a guy that was hitting the side of the backboard to a guy that looks like one of the best five to ten players in the NBA so far this year. Now, until there are there are going to be a 
overwhelming amount of people that don't give a crap about what Paul George does during the regular season. And they'll say, all right, when the pressure gets on and it comes playoff time, does playoff P show up? Or is he hitting the side of the backboard again? And they just don't want to hear it, right? Especially when he was part of a team. He he was abysmal on a team that had one of the most epic collapses, if not the most epic collapse, given how big of a favorite they were uh, to move on to the Western Conference Finals against the Nuggets. And he has come back this year. And again, there's going to be people that roll their eyes, but George is the antithesis of of, of Murray, where it's like, okay, this guy looked <laughs> like a shell of himself, and now he looks like a superstar so far this year. Shooting over 50% from three. I'm sure he'll keep Crazy. that up. <laughs> we needed yeah. to get Paul George yeah. out of the bubble. Yeah, it, it's been wild to see Paul George excel at, at the level that he is this season with the Clippers. And what well, we did see it two years ago with OKC when he was third in MVP voting and was one of the better players in the game. Um, ultimately, with Paul George, like you said, it's going to come down to postseason production and what level he is when that time comes. But I will say this with the Clippers, and I think this has played into Paul George having a career best season. Their ball movement has been better. The ball moves around the court, you know, more crisp than it had than it did last season. And I'm impressed with some of the possessions that they've had with finding great open shots or, or playing good to great basketball. And that is something that it will stick. Paul George is not going to shoot over 50% the rest of the season. It's just, it's just impossible. And it's not impossible, but highly unlikely. Um, but the ball movement, that seems to be something that is here to stay. And that's encouraging for me with watching the Clippers, considering how stagnant they got at times last season with that first year with the group. So I'm I'm encouraged by the Clippers. Their defense needs to get back to what it was. They get it, get better on that end. I think they will. Um, but the ball movement, Paul George, you know, coming back with a vengeance. It's been fun to watch. Today's episode is brought to you by Prime Video. Uncontrollable frowning and inability to smile an expression like you just smelled something rotten. These are all signs of resting binge face caused by too many streaming services. But Prime Video ends resting binge face so you can smile again. Easily find your favorite shows like Reacher Season 2. Rent or buy new release movies like Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds, and Snakes. Get everything included on Prime. And add hundreds of streamers like Max for True Detective Night Country. One app, one password, Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership not required to rent or buy. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda. The power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just 
once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Uh, yesterday, I got to see the Bright Future Suns in person for the first <laughs> time this year. Now, I'm going to give, uh, there is a caveat. They had not played in a week. And so it was going to be, okay, is this a team that is incredibly well rested or is this a team that is going to be a little bit rusty? What stood out to me, and I don't know how much you've watched the Suns or how much our listeners have, have spent time watching. They, they have not played in a week, right? So you haven't watched them in the last week. But yet, watching them yesterday, it's, it is such a stark contrast from Suns teams of the past, A, because they're good. But beyond that, they play slow. They, they have become a Chris Paul basketball team. And I watched Booker go like five for 21 yesterday, which I'm going to give a pass because he hadn't played in so long. He also got rim checked on a dunk he tried with the game on the line. But <laughs> it, I, I will say this. I think that they are well-suited to play like that is like what playoff basketball is in many cases that you run a play we run a play I'm not so sure that you get the best out of Booker playing this way and here's all I'll say I really thought that having Chris Paul on the team and I do think from a, a winning sense it is the best thing for them I don't know individually if it is the best thing for Booker, I viewed him, uh, you know, as a guy that once he is so hard to stay attached to when they are getting up and down the floor and a guy that when he gets in space is very difficult. It, when you play half court basketball all the time, it's a lot easier to stay attached to him. And they do. They play half court basketball all the time uh, and they play through Aiton a lot. And they play just like a Chris Paul team does. And so I think I, I think I thought that Booker's numbers, that he would be most or maybe not most, but certainly uh, very well impacted by being on a team with Chris Paul. I don't know if his numbers are actually going to reflect it, though. They might end up being better and they might be end up. Certainly, they'll be a playoff team, but. Booker, to get the best out of Booker, I think he's a guy that's better when the game's moving up and down and played in space. And you're not going to do that that much when you're playing on a Chris Paul team. You know, it, it's funny. <laughs> you know, Phoenix has been pretty good overall this season. Booker has not been great. No. And they've been doing it despite him not being the same level of the Devin Booker we saw, not just last season, but the year before that. I just too. don't think you get the best of him playing half-court basketball all the time. He's not that kind of a guy. I feel you know? like he flourished with that open floor style, yes. you know, and we're seeing a little bit less of that with Chris Paul now. And and I'm sure it's going to be adjustment for him. I'm not going to, you know, read too much into it. I, I Maybe by playoff time, those guys are really clicking. It's very unusual. We talked about this with Kevin Durant and James Harden. It feels like those guys never stop playing together. Right. Right. But yeah. with Booker and Chris Paul, you can see, you know, some of the, the the issues with Booker starting to adjust Booker himself. I do think that there are certain instances where I'd love to see him pass the ball to DeAndre Ayton more often, too. 
especially in pick and roll situations. And I wonder for him, maybe it's about taking on even more of that playmaking mindset in certain situations. So it's a number of different issues there with him. Part of its fit, part of its decision-making. I'm not too worried. Chris, I mean, I, I don't want to overreact. They might have you the know. slowest pace in the entire league. If they're not, they're like 29. Yeah, he's uh, look. It, it, it's weird because I do think the way they play suits some of their guys. And clearly, if you're gonna, you know, if you got a seven footer down there, and a lot of teams play small, it's good. This is good for Aiton, and obviously, it's how Paul's al- always played, dictating the pace. But this is not great for Booker. You know, in terms of him flourishing playing in this kind of a system that's walking the ball up the court and playing, you know, deep into the shot clock. It's it's odd. And we'll see when it comes to playoff time. You got a long time and they're all adjusting. Um, but there's no doubt about it. After seeing them, they are a Chris Paul team. And they're gonna play like Chris Paul plays. Yeah, they went from According to unpredictable.com, which mm-hmm. measures uh, time of possession, seconds. So it's not pace, you know, but it's the actual literal seconds of a possession. After the opponent makes a shot, they ranked 14th in possession time last season. They're down to 22nd now and about three seconds uh, longer of possessions after their opponent makes a shot, which I think is a good, you know, read on how their pace. And then after a turnover or after a defensive rebound, they rank in the bottom five this season compared to last season when they were top five after turnovers and then 11th after defensive rebounds. So they're moving a lot slower when the opponent misses or turns it over. They're moving a little bit slower after the opponent makes a shot. So that, that does indicate the differences here. There's a lot of teams that are not comfortable playing half-court basketball. So this might work yes. in their favor oh, when it comes out to it. You saw yep. it. Look, that's how that's how a Chris Paul team that had absolutely no business taking Houston to seven games took Houston to seven games last year, right? Because you're able to get that game. You, you play them in the 90s, right? They, wanna, they, they would love to just fly up and down the court and be out in open space. And we'll see how much everybody adjusts to it. But so when you get to... These teams that are uh, uncomfortable and and are at their best flying up and down the court. And there's a lot of teams that want to play like that. They are, you know, the, the they're going to be the the matchup you don't want to see because you, they're doing the we run a play, you run a play, and they've got Chris Paul who could get to the friggin' elbow anytime he wants, and then they've got these other guys flanked around him. I just, I don't know, like it's. And like I said, I think I think you know we mentioned it in passing, but there were instances in that game where DeAndre Ayton had you know Morant on a little bit of a switch, mm-hmm. and he did not get the ball delivered to him, and that's happened you know for quite some time now with Booker and Ayton, where those guys they have you know an average connection, but it's not a great connection right on the court, and that's something that I would want to see developed over the course of the season because DeAndre Ayton is a very talented player and. He deserves he deserves some credit this season for sacrificing offensive touches and giving more effort, even more effort on the defensive end of the floor. He still makes some mistakes with reading the floor when it comes to off-ball situations on defense, but on the ball and in pick and roll, I've been really, really impressed with what he does in the defensive end. And then offensively, he's do- doing what he needs to do. It's a 
you know, cleanup guy, not getting as many touches, not getting as much as many scoring opportunities, but he's done his job well and it's contributed to winning. The Suns, despite the loss, are still over 500. They look like a good team overall. They're going through some growing pains. To grow through this, they got to find Aiton in the situations that they got to find him. They got to see him. Booker took too many shots as if he was kind of sh- trying to shoot through his struggles instead yeah. of passing to help somebody else who had an advantageous position on the court. And well, not to know, mention he was going up against a six foot seven Xavier Tillman the whole game because exactly. Valid, uh, Jonas Valanciunas is out for safety protocols. Absolutely. And I think you saw the difference between the two. Booker made some plays that contributed to the loss. John Morant, he will always make the highlight reels for his big dunks and some of his clutch shots, but he had the sequence last night where he had the kickout pass for three to Grayson Allen. Next play down the court from Memphis, he attacked the basket, had the left foot, left hand finish, and he ran, sprinted all the way back on defense and drew a charge. That sequence to me captures the essence of John Morant. He is more than just a highlight reel. He's a winning player. He makes winning plays all the time. And that's his second game back from the yeah. ankle injury. Yeah. You know what I He's mean? So like fun. he and and that is uh, the Grizzlies have won five games in a row, and they have done that without the services of like last night it was Valanciunas, but they they have not. Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, next, I guess next up coming back is Justice Winslow, who we have never seen in a Grizzlies uniform, and then Jaron Jackson Jr. After that, and they'll have their whole squad together. Um, but when you were talking about having depth during this time, yes, it is. I mean. When you've got guys like Tyus Jones and Brandon Clark and Grayson Allen and guys that can play, you know, a lot of talent that come off the, that come off the bench. Um, But Morant is obviously I get to see him in person all the time. I mean, he is a bonafide superstar. He is the guy that with five, with five minutes left in the game, three minutes left in the game. It's like, okay, you've got your guy. Memphis has this guy and he can get you home. And he does it over and over and over again. You cannot keep him from getting to the rim. So this week for The Void, the video that we're going to be doing is about the Grizz. Yeah. So. Oh, (laughs) my goodness. It's going to focus on like the other guys on that team. Because I think with Memphis, what's different about them is Ja goes without saying this guy is a blossoming star. He's a winning player. And, you know, just he's also just a load of fun to watch. I love to watch John Moran play basketball. But also, you look at a lot of young players in league history that are good. They don't always have great situations around them. I mean, you can look right now. Atlanta with Trey Young. There's chemistry issues there. Zion with the Pelicans. Zion does not play a lick of defense. John Morant is in a situation where he does it all and he has support of teammates like this Memphis roster, it's young, but all these guys fit like they fit together. And to me, that creates a, a, a very healthy developmental situation for all of them. Like this is a young roster. They're not going to win a championship right now, but I could see the, a lot of these young guys, a Brandon Clark, a Grayson Allen, a Xavier Tillman, a lot of them growing into the type of players that you want to have on a championship team that support stars. How many guys right now are playing minutes and contributing to winning from the draft. You were dead on about Desmond Bain. 
Like, they nailed the draft. He's so good, man. Desmond Bain and Xavier Tillman. Now, the Xavier Tillman thing, there's extenuating circumstances because I don't know how many people know this. Xavier Tillman, uh, who people might have seen against Philly, stayed on Tobias Harris, and Tobias Harris ends up stepping out of bounds. Oh, that was amazing. And, and the Grizzlies win the game. He started at center yesterday. He's a rookie out of Michigan State. Um, he has looked the part the second he has walked on the court as a rookie. Um, part of that is because he just celebrated his 22nd birthday like two days ago, uh, three days, whatever, last week. I mean, bro, he's married with two kids and lives yeah. in the suburbs. That, that's a and, man. Like, he, is a, he is a man. Married with two kids and lives in the suburbs. He's a rookie. Also, interestingly enough, when I say he's married, his best man, Jaron Jackson Jr. Yeah. I mean that you don't find this all that often, right? Yeah. With such a strange so there was a little <laughs> bit of extenuating circumstances yeah. with Tillman and getting him in the fold. Um, but they have had two rookies that have come in and they're both good already. Yeah. Which is crazy. It's you know wild, I mean? man. It's crazy I mean, to yeah, have two Zach, rookies. Zach, Zach Kleiman, the GM yes. there uh in Memphis, like he's just he nailed it. straight up good basketball players. Like these yes. guys are already good with, when they enter the league, ready made, you know. <laughs> yes. And they're only gonna get better over time, too, as they adjust the speed of the game, physicality of the game, and all that. And they improve their own skills as well through training. But that's what I mean. Like Memphis. John Morant is the star there. He's the reason why you turn on your TV, you tune in on League Pass. But ultimately, this team is a roster full of players that I'd love to have if I'm building a championship contender route. Like th this, this roster's strong, man. Oh, I mean, yeah. don't you feel like they this don't is have, unusual? They don't have, they don't have, they don't have players that they bring in the game that you go. I, and I remember this is true of the Spurs for so many years, where you watch the game and they bring in the guy and you go, "That guy sucks." Even even Conchar. Oh, Conchar was like a, was like an analytics darling. That's an right. analytics darling. No, he can play. Yes, he yes. can play. And <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of crazy looking at the names in this roster. Uh, like even Brandon Clark, he can contribute without a reliable three point shot. <laughs> yep. Get on board, Kev. It's happening. Yeah. So, oh, by the way, I saw your Instagram post yesterday. You were at the game with your son. He for his eleventh birthday. Yeah. What, 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 what was the feeling like? So when John Morant was having that run at the end of the game. Like, what was the excitement level? I at? mean, all right. So for those that didn't see, I, I posted about this. So there's very few <laughs> games that I have missed over the course of the last 20 years. I could probably count them on two hands. No lie. Um, one of them was, and I remember this because I, as I was in the hospital, there was a TV in the hospital and I was keeping track of the Grizzlies played against the Phoenix Suns and Steve Nash during the seven seconds or less era. Um, they actually won that day. And I remember thinking this is meant to be. And my son was born and 11. So that was 11 years ago yesterday. And so for his 11th birthday, and of course this has all been, you know, it's been very, very difficult. Like uh, it, it, the pandemic has been very, very difficult on kids. And so I was, so happy that yesterday I was going to be able to take him to the game with me, and he did go um, on his for his birthday. I I was absolutely petrified that the game was going to get postponed. You know mm. what I mean? Because like it, it's one of those things where it does mean more. It's not just it's <laughs> yeah. not just a basketball game to me. 
yesterday, right? This mm-hmm. is like he's going to get to do this for his birthday. And so he went yesterday and watched the game. And about maybe two minutes left to go, I mean, he is absolutely crestfallen, just down and out, like because they're going to lose. <laughs> and you know he 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 has the emotions of a child, right? Yeah, they're, yeah. they're gonna they're gonna lose, and he's so he's so upset about the whole thing. And then when Morant puts on the show, he finds Grayson Allen to three in the corner. <laughs> he hits the he hits the uh, scoop layup with his left hand. I mean, it was it was a moment that I will never forget for the rest <laughs> of my life. No, lie. it was it was special because <laughs> of all the games for that to be his eleventh birthday. There's probably, I don't know, God, I don't know, maybe 200 people in the arena. And I was able to get him in uh, so he could go and see that game. He saw, you know, his favorite player take over a game that Mm -hmm. was, they were surely going to lose, it felt like, with two minutes left to go. And so, yeah, like, it's one of those things. And I know, you know, not to get too deep here, but like you talk so much, especially when you were going through everything with your father and how, and and you even said in our last show about you watching those Patriots games for so many years and it just hadn't mm. felt the same yeah. anymore. And there was like, like you and I, part of the reason I think we've gotten along so well for so many years is you and I both had that same life experience of being so close with our fathers and those sports moments you know, were such a connection, you know, to that. And I was, and I felt that with my father for so many years and just to get to have that yesterday. Right. And just that it's come like 11 years ago, I'm in, I'm in a friggin' hospital with him being born and you never know the way life's going to play out. Yeah. But now 11 years later, we're in the arena watching the same teams play against each other under these crazy circumstances because we're going through a pandemic, but I've got an 11 year old that lives and dies with it and is wearing his John Morant Jersey as John Morant takes over that game. I mean, you can't, there's no dollar figure you could put on that, man. You really can't, you cannot, you can't put a dollar figure on that because that is, that's to me, that's what life is all about. You know, like that, that moment, I don't want to get too emotional here, but like, you know, you think about these moments that you have with your own father, right? Like we get so caught up in so much else going on, but like for it to, I'm lucky, man, 11 years from the day he's born and he's in that arena that I wasn't in. And the only reason I wasn't in there is because he was born. You never know what your kid's going <laughs> to like. You never, you, you hope that your kid's going to be a sports fan. He's going to care about what you care about, whatever. But I mean, for him to turn 11 yesterday and have all that play out at the same time it was <laughs> it was pretty overwhelming honestly it's pretty overwhelming that was that will go down as one of my favorite games of all time and it's one that it's not going to matter to most people it won't matter in the grand scheme you know in the grand scheme of things what it's like the 13th game of an NBA <laughs> season what does it matter but like it's one that I'll never forget for sure no doubt you know? about it, man. Those are the moments that make life special. Yes. And those are the moments that have to be cherished. Like when I saw your post last night, I was like, before I went to bed, I'm like, oh man, that that's amazing. They had one yeah. of those nights. One of those. They had, they had one of those nights that they're going to remember forever. You know, Chris is a dad and William is a son. 
And, you know, those are the moments that I'll cherish forever that I've had with my parents, you know, in different ways, going to concerts with my dad or going to sporting events or whatever it might be, you know, or, you know, going on date trips with my mom and my dad, like whatever walks that we've been on. Like, you know, there's certain moments that are like, oh, this is just a good day. And days like this, um, on his birthday, you know, well, because everything about it's it, the it, same you know, team, look, you know, kids having birthdays, everybody, everybody that's a parent that's out there knows this. I mean, like, it's just, you, those are things you don't necessarily think about. And I'm like, man, how can a birthday be good? You know what I mean? You're inside with your family all the time. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean? The- like, it's not like he's getting to do everything a kid normally does, you know, and I'm not, I'm not crying over that, that the whole world's having to go through it. Right. But I was glad that, you know, he was able to, he was able to go yesterday and ex- at least have a good birthday. Yeah, you know for I mean? sure. Because this is all sucked. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it's it's so great. I mean, during this freaking pandemic that we're, in, I can't wait till we're out of this. Oh my this God. crap. And you know, for him to have one day, one at day, at least one day, with, at least with one his, day with I his dad that. on yes. his birthday, and it happens yes. to be an epic yes win with some really spectacular moments that i'm sure like he couldn't wipe the smile on his office no face, and that's his and that's know? his guy that's <laughs> yeah. his guy yeah. john, john morant john morant is the type of player and like, like i talk about this all the time i'm very fortunate very spoiled growing up a boston sports fan i watched players who made me believe anything was possible david ortiz anytime he was at the plate or even when i knew he was coming up i'm like we got ortiz Coming up, I'd feel like the Red Sox had a chance. Tom Brady, you know, Paul Pierce, you know, whoever it might be. I've watched a lot of players throughout my life that made me believe there's always a chance. John Morant is one of those players. And for any Grizzlies fan or any fan of Ja that watches him, like, enjoy every single moment because there's going to be a lot of special ones like that. I'm glad you and your son get to enjoy those together. It, it warmed my heart to see that post last night. And I'm yeah, it's great. It's well, great. I was able to uh, I was able to come home uh, last night, and obviously, I I saw I, I got to see the fourth quarter, really third and fourth of the uh, Milwaukee game, and then the nightcap. Ooh, look, look! I have I've goofed <laughs> about you being high on the Warriors, boy. <laughs> the Lakers. I remember a coach telling me one time, once once your team's on ten, like they've turned it up all the way, and and they're running out on somebody, and once they turn it off, bro, it, it is almost impossible to get them to turn it back on. And that felt like the Lakers had, they felt like we got this game in hand, and they got caught. They got caught last night. Now, I do not think it's an indictment of the Lakers, but I do think it shows the level of fight that the Warriors have. And I will also say, I would pay, I mean, if there was like, hell, we subscribe to everything now. I got all these things, but whether it's Disney Plus or HBO Max, <laughs> yeah. you got all. If so you, much for cutting the cable, huh? If, if, I, if <laughs> I could subscribe to watching Draymond Green mic'd up during basketball games, I would subscribe. Did you yeah. see this? I, I'd mic? pay a fee. I would pay a fee. The 100%. mic'd up segment where he is telling James Wiseman, to go at Mark Gasol. I love that matchup. I love it. When it's you versus Mark Gasol in space. I love that matchup. And then the camera pans back and Mark Gasol is standing next to James <laughs> Wiseman. 
I was like, what the F is going on? It was the craziest. That, for anybody, that, that clip is going around. If you went to bed last night and didn't see it, Find the clip of Draymond being mic'd up, and there's a tight shot of this moment with him and Wiseman, and he is saying how he loves the matchup with Mark Gasol, and then as the camera pans back, you realize Mark Gasol <laughs> is standing next to him. I'm like, come on, dude. Yeah, they were this standing is at the free throw line, right? Uh, amazing. Like, oh, yeah. Well, amazing. first, when he starts the conversation... He's talking face-to-face with him. Yeah. So you realize Mark's standing there the whole time. Like, what disrespect. It's amazing. What disrespect. It's He's amazing. like, I like that matchup. I like that matchup with you and Marcus All. And Marcus All's like standing right there. <laughs> like, like I said, I mean, I'm not sure like what the NBA could charge. <laughs> amazing. But I'm just saying, like, they could charge a good amount. And I, I'd be willing to subscribe to that. <laughs> it did. I will say this. There's no greater Curry haters than LeBron lovers. So yes. there was a little justice in that last night with Curry sure. going crazy against the, like, that's one of those, like, Ugh. shut the hell up games because he scores 19. They're down 19. He goes nuts. He's hitting step back crazy. threes over Ugh. Anthony Davis. The one and he it's like ice it was. Yes. Amazing. And I it's screamed. like it's like, all right, you guys want to keep talking shit? You know what I mean? Like he knows. And and it's like, well, can he carry a team? Look what look what LeBron did. And like people hate on Curry quite a bit. And so that was one of those. <laughs> that was a statement. It really was. Like it it's a like small it. thing, but it's like you can't take that away. They were they were getting smoked and he just put the team on his back and literally carried them yeah. to victory. You know, this is one of the reasons why I would go on state, both Draymond and Steph, why I was high on them and why I still am high on them. And with my power rankings yesterday, I had them above the Utah Jazz. I heard from a lot of Jazz fans, like, how could you put the Golden State Warriors ahead of the Utah Jazz? We have a better record, better follow up, this and that. But like, I, my power rankings are based on teams that you wouldn't want to face. You know, like you're ranking them by how they're performing recently. Would you want to face this team this night? I don't want to face Steph Curry and Draymond Green any night. Steph is the type of guy who can will you to a victory, even when you're down late in the game. And that's what he did last night against the Lakers. I know a lot of Lakers fans feel like the team was coasting. They turned it off and they did. But you also still need to give credit for, to the Warriors for being a resilient group and for fighting back and never letting up. And also having some moments where like, there's just nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do when Steph Curry is able to hit some of the shots that he did. And the benefit of having Draymond mic'd up is this realization. You know, you always see him barking uh, when he's out on the court. (laughs) You, You realize he truly is a coach on the court. Like he really is. There's not that many guys like that. But not only does he direct the traffic defensively and is always doing the right thing. He is also constantly coaching the rest of these guys. And the benefit, there is no stat that will ever account for that, right? But you saw that as he is mic'd up, you see those moments with Wiseman, right? And, And there were others throughout the game. And you realize 
what level of impact this guy has on that team and what they are going to be able to accomplish because there's a lot of, you know, it really is. Him and Steph have the connection. Everybody else there has no connection. I mean, even, even, even Wiggins didn't play with Steph last year, right? You know, so there is no chemistry. And so you're trying to figure out chemistry with what you got uh, on the fly too, but having that coach on the floor is of grand benefit to say the least. Um, for sure. And, and it sets a tone for your team. Yes. And Kelly Oubre, we saw last night some of the plays, the effort plays that he had. Like he was playing with energy and he helped energize that group too. Um, so they got contributions from people outside of Steph and Draymond. But ultimately, like those two guys are what will you to victory. It's good to see a Kelly Oubre step up. It's good to see an Eric Pascal come off the bench and have some really strong minutes. For the Warriors, I mean, they have some talent on the team. I know they're not as strong as they once were, and there's Their some issues with how they fit the style. Sucks. I know, and there's some it issues. Sucked. With, it really some does. Issues. And I'll tell you what, with Golden State, for a team that's had Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant, some of the greatest shooters we'll ever see in our lifetimes, a lot of the other guys on that team aren't reliable shooters. And oh, you know, you know, I mean, they got to find more shooting talent um, as we move forward. Do you and put Ubre in that class <laughs> of the great Golden State shooter? <laughs> <laughs> got a long way to go. <laughs> okay. Uh, lastly, before we get out of here, and I'm mentioning this because when I clicked on their Twitter feed, I saw one. It said followed by Kevin O'Connor, and so you obviously have become aware of this in the last, you know, couple days also. Oh. NBA Top Shot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So this NBA Top Shot, which is sanctioned by the NBA and is sanctioned by the NBA Players Association, is this digital trading cards. Um, It is almost like combined the world of crypto and the world of collectibles. Yes. All in one. And there was a John Moran highlight that sold for $35,000 last week. Now, upon hearing this, my buddy Adam Lefko, who I love, who is going to be featured, he's on TNT every Tuesday night, I think for the rest of the season. I think he just moved down to Atlanta this week. Adam's really good. Adam is is, is a massive collectibles guy. Mm -hmm. And so he had texted me last week. He's like, hey, do you know about this NBA Top Shot thing? And I'm like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's kind of explaining it to me briefly. And then... I see this Ravel tweet and it says this John Morant highlight collectible sold for $35,000. So I text Lefko and I'm like, what in the hell is going on? I'm like, you just told me about this. What is this thing? And he goes, I was part of that deal. I said, what? And he said, I've got a small piece in that. Wow. Like with the investment. And I'm like, well, couldn't you get me in it or something like whatever? And so I bring Lefko on and I start talking to him about everything. And for NBA fans out there, this thing has absolutely exploded. It really over is. the last week, pretty quickly. Um, cards, you know, and I think I would I would alert everybody. You can go do your own research on this. Yeah. But it is basically that you collect these moments of NBA players, which are highlights, but they are serial numbered. And it is just like any other other collectible. And so the way it'd be explained is it's almost like collecting a piece of art 
right? Yeah, it's like art. It's like virtual art or a virtual yes. trading card. And by the way, with like physical cards, you know, like baseball cards, basketball cards, a lot of people do view them as like modern day art. You yes. know, if it's a limited print of five cards, it's extremely rare. Just like with NBA Top Shot, a limited run of five highlights is extremely rare there will never be more so that does make it a valuable thing and it has exploded to the point where yesterday their site got shut down that they were going to release some packs because that's what you do you buy packs you can buy the packs online and then you open the packs and when they were going to release the packs it got flooded so much that it moved down and i have i'm not kidding you kevin i have never seen anything like this and i am a collector but mm-hmm. and and who knows if it's a bubble? I, I don't I don't know where this thing is going. But I will tell you, in in the spirit of full disclosure, a w- after Leftco told me about it, I was like, hell, I'll get involved. We'll see what happens. I bought the Morant dunk on Baines for three hundred and fifty dollars. I was like, all right, I'll put a little yeah. into this. Right yeah. this morning, the lowest you can buy it for is twelve hundred and fifty dollars. Wow! Wow! That's wild. I have never. That's wild. I have never seen anything like this. And I don't know where mm-hmm. it's going to go. I don't mm-hmm. know. But it is, I mean, it wow. is It is in partnership with the NBA, the NBA PA, and ev- everything yeah. else. And it, it, yeah, it's a legitimate thing. You know, yes. it's, a, it's, it's just a matter of like, is it, you know, something that like, if you are investing, it is an investment. Uh, if it's something that you're willing to, you know, well, here's take the that thing. risk. You know, the people that are Bitcoin slash crypto people, they're going to they be are, in on it. But they are yeah. so passionate about Bitcoin and crypto. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you take all these people that are collectors of things. It combines and they're, both. And they're so passionate mm-hmm. about collecting. Yeah. So I don't know where it's going to go, but yeah. I, I just wanted to alert everybody. It's so fascinating to see, how, to see how this has taken off and to see something that you w- I, I didn't even know about have these incredible values within a week's time. By the way, I just want to make clear, we didn't plan to talk about this. You didn't give me a heads no. up ahead of time. I had no idea you were going to bring this up. I just signed up for the site yesterday. Oh, wow. Because um, I haven't done, I haven't made any investments, haven't purchased a pack or anything like that. I plan to put a little bit into like you buy like one pilot or something like that. But um, it, it it's something that has piqued my interest more than I expected it to, because like you said, it combines the collecting, the fun and that, but also like the, the cryptocurrency and you know how much people are into that right now. Right. And, like, well, and I'm not the, in the, on that at the, all. I missed that. Yes, I missed yeah. it. Well, I missed, yeah, I mean, yeah. I missed Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did. I mean, I'm sure there will be, there will be people who say it's still early. <laughs> there will be people who say that, but that's well, a different I, I, conversation. It said one Bitcoin was 36 grand. I was like, all right. Yes. I, well, you, I can't you even could, have you one You could Bitcoin. buy like 0. 0.01 I know. of a Bitcoin. Too, I can't afford like, one Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I know you could buy a percentage of it, right? But but like, but anyway, with like NBA Top Shot, I would, you know, caution people like, Oh yeah, it is something new. It's like so, anything, you know. It, only use money that can be expendable for this That's type right. of investment. You know, don't. You I'm know, not put, encouraging anybody to yes, get involved. Exactly. I'm just, yes. I'm just telling you what's happened, which exactly. is insane. And 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 this is this is the interesting part for me. You know, when I look at it, fantasy basketball will never be on the level of fantasy football. It just won't. No. Because of the way the schedule works, because of the, the importance of a single game, because of the week off, you know, between games in the NFL. Fantasy sports is perfect for football. For basketball, it is never going to be on that level. Maybe something like this. 
NBA top shot. It could never be the level of fantasy football. Like that is just on a different plane, but could this be the NBA's version of like something that's attached to the game in addition to the rise of sports gambling where NBA top shot becomes a popular way for fans to also invest their money. Like you do with that's fantasy right. sports, invest your time. Like you do with fantasy sports where you're trading cards, you're buying. Yeah, and well, and cards. Listen, like I said, I have yeah. absolutely no connection to it. I don't know anybody involved. Lefko told me about it last week. Yeah. He told me what they were doing and kind of explained it to me. And I was like, eh, I'll get in a little bit and just see what happens. If I lose the money, I lo- if, if it all crashes down, then whatever. But like, I, I've never seen anything like it. It's just it, the, the, the level of passion and the growth of this thing within the last week. People didn't even know about it a week ago. There's some, there's Look, some crypto. Kevin, I, I work uh, covering the NBA every day of my life and I am a massive collector and I just heard about it last yeah. th- Friday. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, have, I have one person who works with NBA Top Shot that's been like pushing me for weeks to sign oh, really? up and I, and I just haven't like had time to, to like really investigate. And after investigating over the weekend, I'm like, yeah, why not? I'll, it's cool. I'll, I'll, I'll sign up and, you know, and see how it feels and if I like it. Um, so we'll see. Like, you know, I, I think I will like it. It's fun. Uh, you know, it, it, it's cool. And, and I think, you know, there's a lot of people who, who feel like, why would you, you know, want like a virtual highlight that you can see on YouTube for free? It's, it's not really about that. You could say the same thing about like, why would you want a, a card with a photo on it? Right. Well, because it's, you know, it's the ownership of it. It's the ownership of it. And, and also like, if it's not about the ownership of it or the art about it, it's maybe about just making money for some yeah. people, like buying, buying and selling stocks. And there's like different ways that you can enjoy it. And ultimately with, with this, you know, NBA top shot and all that today in the world, the lines are blurred between the physical and the virtual, you know, and in video games, there's certain, you know, rare, you know, accessories that you can have, or like in call of call of duty Warzone, I can speak to that. You know, there's seasons within the game. And during certain seasons, you can only unlock certain characters or certain outfits for certain characters that you can use or certain gun blueprints that look cool or, That's you right. know, whatever it might be. And for a lot of people, they get as excited about that as they would any physical object. Well, uh, you know what? You know, what's fascinating that you say that is because uh, here's the here's the truth. Um, you're right with the card. Right. So my son in the, one of the presents that he got yesterday was he wanted a baseball cards like football cards so he opened up a football card he got this jersey card of uh uh chase claypool but it was numbered to 25 now he doesn't he doesn't care that much about chase claypool right (laughs) he's not a steelers fan but this moment of oh my god i got this rookie jersey card of chase claypool number and i went and looked it up on ebay and like people are selling them for like 90 bucks well why is that worth 90 bucks because somebody's willing to pay it and there is it's just like anything supply and demand and the truth is the reason that these things have these values is because the market is setting it people want it you know what i mean like you, you you can roll your eyes at people wanting it but people want it Right. And there's so many people that want it that it shut down the damn site yesterday. I can't explain why everybody, you know what I mean? 
But I think what they found is like people think it's cool. It's cool. It's fun to collect. People love collecting. You know what yep, I mean? Absolutely. And, and it wouldn't surprise me if this thing grows more and more and more and more. I'm not sure like to what level. Like I said, fantasy Who knows? sports. I don't think I can ever match that, but I'll but I'll tell you uh, tell you what, with the way people are so into cryptocurrencies now and the way they're into collectibles more increasingly more this whole past year. Mm, I mean, it's something that's coming out really at the right time, yep. I think. And could and the potential's pretty significant for it. Um so I'm excited to see how it grows. Like you said, the past week plus, you know, last 10 days or so, it seems like really Crazy. 2021. It has skyrocketed in terms of the users, you know, the amount of people buying and selling. There's like, there's some cryptocurrency site that I saw linked from an NBA Top Shot tweet that that showed it. And it's like, you know, it's like a steady rise and boom, in terms of the amount of users That's right. on that site. Um, so, you know what, man? We'll see how it's it wild. goes. But, uh, it's good fascinating. For you, good for it's... you on your jaw highlight. You like that? <laughs> yeah, good for you. <laughs> I've got a couple others. I got. Are, are you going to hold? Are you, are you holding? Or are you... I'll tell you what I bought. I bought the jaw dunk. I bought Zion. Uh, and I bought the Lucas step back against the Clippers. Oh, wow. I've got probably like, I think I have like 26 moments. Soon you'll be on that Shark Tank. You'll, you'll be a host on Shark Tank. I hope so. Soon enough. <laughs> <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be pretty cool, huh? I hope so. sit, sit next to A-Rod and Mark Cuban. That'd be super cool. <laughs> I love Shark Tank, by the way. Shark Tank's amazing. It's one of the few things I watch on television yeah, outside lo- of sports. I love watching Shark Tank. I, yep. I, I watch it like my mom will like DVR it. Yep. And I like watch it with her pretty frequently. It's, it's yep. amazing. Such a good show. All right. That's going to do it for today's show. Uh, thank you to producer Sasha as always. And we will talk to you on Friday. Have a good week, everybody. Bye.